So welcome, Jono. Thanks for joining. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm good. You're so? Yeah. yeah, can't complain, can't complain. Um, yeah, thanks for joining. Today, um, I was hoping we could talk about Dev. So I would like if you could just introduce yourself, kind of tell us who you are, some of your background and how you got there. Cool. Um, so I'm Jonathan. Um, I've been a software developer for going on 14 years now. Um, so I started during my, my school career, really getting into programming um, back in the Delphi days. <laughs> um, straight out of school, got into a programming gig. I'm very grateful for that because that really started my, my career. Um, mm. And I've been in everything from design agencies to, to e-com um, companies to working for ISPs, um, mass marketing, and now I work for IO, um, which, the, which basically builds bespoke um, mm. web applications. Yeah, disclaimer, we work together. <laughs> <laughs> um, so cool. So actually, I'm, I'm quite curious. You mentioned it um, offline now um, that you are self-taught. Do you just want to kind of tell that story in a, in a brief? Because there's a lot of people that are doing it. There's a lot of internet resources out there. So just kind of give people that listening um, what that journey is like. It, it is extremely difficult um because you you'll a lot of the times you don't get the respect of somebody that has gone through tertiary education um but it is empowering to say the least um especially when when you get to go through that journey and really come out in the end and you know being having been doing it for 14 years you know um i can, I can see the fruits of my labor of you know being self-sufficient in in a team um being a kickstarter um and you you really need to capitalize on those skills and especially when you're in a senior position those skills really shine through um mm. because you know upper management really starts taking notice of the people who can look after themselves mm -hmm. how long does it generally take you to get to a place where you are comfortable being able to you know deploy code or contribute <laughs> uh years and years um so i i think it, it probably took me about eight years to get rid of the imposter syndrome okay um I, I think i just come out of one of the jobs one of my employers that i left and uh, i joined a php meetup and okay. went to the PHP meetup to to you know just suss it out because i wasn't really involved in the community back then you know being self self-taught i I really I picked up here and there, but I wasn't really on a trajectory to really you know go the extra mile in my career. Um, mm -hmm. But I decided, you know what, maybe I should get involved in in the in the communities um, and see what it's about. And I walked out of there with the biggest imposter syndrome ever. <laughs> um, but it also taught me that every person that talks at, the, at, the, at these meetups, they just regular Joes. Um, yeah. And there's no reason I can't do what, what they can do. And that got me working with the communities and I started talking at meetups and mm. it just gives, gives you that, that self con that confidence that you, that you need to, to really get rid of the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, so I'd say it took me, it took me about eight years to, to really realize that, you know, I am a good damn developer. Yeah, but now in terms of being able to be a junior developer as that self-taught, 
I mean, mm. HO sounds long. It sounds like HO is more to get into a more comfortable senior position. How about a yeah. junior developer? Maybe there's a, someone that's watching that's trying to get into the industry. How long would it take for a self-taught person? So for a self-taught person to, to get into the industry, it's really about how long it takes you to upskill yourself to, mm. to do the thing and what, what you're going to go into. Um, I mean, if you're going to be producing enterprise-grade applications, <clears throat> it's not going to be a short journey. Um, but I mean, if you're building web applications, especially open source, um, mm -hmm. it doesn't take long to pick up Laravel or Vue or, or something. You could really do that within a year and go work. Mm. Yeah, look, there's always a shortage. And uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity in it. So for those watching, there you go. Give it a year. But yeah, I know it's all, it's all about discipline as well. You've got to put in that time. No, 100%. And you're also, when you're looking for jobs, also looking, knowing you're going in as a very junior person, um, look at companies that are willing to invest in, in upskilling you, not necessarily sending you for training or something, but look for, for, for companies that have a culture of upskilling, you mm. know, sharing knowledge, not just, they don't just want code monkeys to come sit down and, yeah. you know, code. Type you know, they actually, yeah. they invest in the developers. Yeah, oh, good. That's great advice. That's very, very good advice. Again, in product management, we have the whole point of trying to get value to the users, to the people. We want to get reach outcomes. What is the role of a senior developer in getting to that? Um, so sitting with your product manager and UX and so forth, where do you see yeah. a senior developer sitting? So a senior developer really needs to be the person who is self-sufficient, first off, um, that they, they don't need their, their hand being held. And it's not a bad thing to have your hand being held. Um, mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, there's plenty of junior developers and intermediates that, that really, you need, you need to not necessarily coddle them, but you need to, when they need advice, need to be given advice. And um, a lot of times it falls to the team lead to do those things, but I think it's it's very much a senior's role as well within a team to provide that guidance and and help. Um, a senior's job is not just to to sit and do the most complex kind of work. Mm. It's a lot of the times is helping the team out, um, mm -hmm. filling that gap in between where a, a team lead might not be available or, you know, but also helping the team lead a lot um, mm. with mentoring. Yeah. What about like, um, you know, when we talk about product design, you know, anything is possible. Everything is desirable. How does a, a senior dev kind of help the team leads understand what is actually possible or what's the best path to take? So, for a team lead really should should know all aspects of 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 a of a product, um, but they can't know the nitty gritties necessarily of all the aspects. Um, this is where your seniors come in because they need to. You might have a a senior that you know works with component X Y and, and another one that works with, with Z, and they need to be able to provide the guidance to the team lead of those nitty gritties. Um, mm -hmm especially when it comes to making decisions about estimations or, you know, finding out if something is actually doable. Exactly. Um, because to a team lead, it, it might seem simple, but the senior might have the, the knowledge of the nitty gritties to be able to say, hey, look, maybe it's not as easy as we thought it might be. We mm. need to take into account this. 100%. Yeah, I find that uh, very important. 
Um, yeah, because like I said, everything is doable, but should we be doing it is another question. So um, I know that we always talk about, I, I mean, obviously working with you, I understand that we, we're trying to push the whole point of continuous development, continuous mm. deployments. Um, so kind of just touch us through how, you know, what is the path to being able to create that? Because I know we want, we, we want to also talk about testing and mm. the importance of that in your, in your building. Um, but just maybe if just give a quick explanation about how we actually get to a point of trying to achieve continuous deployments or continuous development. So continuous development, and continuous deployment really go hand in hand in the sense that it's all about removing your stumbling blocks um, within a team. Um, because to get to continuous development and continuous deployment, you might have a couple of things that are preventing that. And really this is where devops culture comes in is that as developers we need to be able to solve our problems you know we need to be able to take out those stumbling blocks within a team you know if mm. if it's i'm going to take for example testing and refactoring so a lot of times we need to go back into our product do a little bit of refactoring you know get it up to scratch um this is where testing comes along the stumbling block to doing refactoring is are we gonna break stuff Mm. Well, if we're going to break, if, if there's a chance of breaking stuff, maybe we should we should implement some testing to make sure that we don't break stuff when we refactoring. And that is another stumbling block we're taking out, and that's leading to continuous development. Um, it's the same with continuous deployment. Um, are we using something like um, pipelines to do our deployments? Or, or is this a stumbling block to continuous de deployment? You know. Is it taking half an hour? Is it taking a day? Or is it taking a week or a month or a, or a year to to deploy new things? Mm -hmm. If it is, you need to take out that stumbling block. That is another stumbling block that DevOps can take care of to to remove, so that we can reach continuous deployment. And this is also so I, I've hopped on this about a lot. Is that you don't need to be a sysop to to do DevOps. DevOps mm -hmm. is about removing those stumbling blocks. Mm. So it's trying to get to the point, like trying to build quickly, get it in um, without the without the um, the hurdles. And so obviously you need your help from your team. You need your help from your scrum master, your product master, your product master, your product owner um, to help you get there. Um, but what happens now if if you ask me, like for example, you t you spoke about refactoring, you spoke about pipelines. What's the importance of having your pipeline set up properly? When, when deploying continuously? Um, so when you look at your pipelines and your deployments. Um, Maybe we should explain I'm, what I'm, pipelines are first so people yeah, can yeah. understand so, what so, we're talking about. <laughs> so, so, so your pipelines are basically a, a chain of events leading up to a deployment. Um, mm -hmm. Whether you need to be, you need to build your, net, your application as in does it need to be compiled? Um, from source code and and then released and then deployed, so that that's the whole chain that needs to go through. So that's your pipeline. Mm -hmm. um, and when we talk about deployment pipeline, it's really it's the start of the chain to the end of the chain where your application is live. Um, so it's very important that your pipelines or your your chain of events are correct or optimized to prevent you know, anything that's preventing that last part where your application goes live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Cool. And, and just explain to me, I know um, I hear it all the time and I'm not all that versed, but your CICD, what is that? Because they refer that to pipelines as well. Just give an explanation. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very loose term being used these days. Um, okay. CI is continuous operation, CD is continuous deployment. Okay. Um, and it really encompasses the whole the whole process of DevOps within the team where continuous integration or we continuously getting our stuff out or we is continuously being the being deployed or we when when we talk about um, parts of CICD it's really it's the things that you implement to remove the hurdles out, okay. out of your out of your development processes to be able to get to that end stage it's mm -hmm. really to get that circle that cycle going mm -hmm. can you give us an example of a stumbling block yeah so so we mentioned testing so i'll yeah. mention something else um so code quality tools um yeah. that's part of CICD. um you know for one of the projects that we're currently working on is every time we do a commit um we have code quality tools that goes and you know looks over the code that's been committed you know is is there any code violations is there any syntax that might break um mm. so these are things that would affect your end product your continuous deployment yeah if we catch it right in the beginning that means it's not going to affect it later it, i might still affect it later like no system's perfect yeah but i mean it'll catch 99.9 .9 of the yeah, cases you wanna... where you yeah. want to minimize that from happening later. Catch oh, it sooner no. rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't want to catch it on uh, the the Wednesday before release and be like, oh no, it's breaking, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, another great example of this is <clears throat> security vulnerabilities. So this can also affect your 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 deployments and you know your live application. Um, if you are not updating your dependencies for for your code con continuously, means mm. you're not getting security patches. It means that eventually, you know, these security vulnerabilities are going to bite you. Um, so one of the things that we've implemented recently is automated dependency updates, because as developers, it's something that really ne gets neglected. And I've seen that time and time again. Um, so what we did was we've, and I know GitHub has um, something called Dependabot. Okay. So basically it's a bot that goes, looks, looks through your dependencies, um, checks if there's any new patches available and automatically do a PR for you. So we've got something similar that we've developed um, at really every morning at five o'clock, it goes through all our projects, um, checks for any dependency updates, does them automatically, puts them in a merge request, runs our test suites against them. If it gets the go ahead and merges it in and every developer has updated dependencies as soon as I start working. That's amazing. Yeah, no, that's it, it. Really, was one of the the, the greatest things. This it's it's such a small thing. Yeah, but it had such a massive impact. Hundred um, percent. I was really happy when we we got that done. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. So let's let's talk about testing. Let's talk about the different mm -hmm. tests because I know you know we talk about regression tests. We talk about acceptance tests. Do you want to just touch on some of the tests? Which ones you feel are the most important? Yeah. So a lot of people, when they get, they really get into testing, they'll they'll hear the word unit. So yes. so unit test is is a type of test. Um, but a lot of the the packages you use test will say will have unit in the name. So people think that unit test is like all encompassing. Unit test really is an all encompassing. Unit test really 
dictates that it's it's small units of code that you're testing. So if, if it's something that calculates what a what an algorithm's outcome is going to be, write mm -hmm. a unit test for that. Because it's a small unit of code that you just want to see the arc, you want to test for outcomes. Um, then you go up to integration tests, which will test components. Mm -hmm. um, um, very good example of that. Um, we so we do applications that have separate APIs and separate front end, front ends. Um, so we use integration tests for the API because it's really only a component of the product. You know, if if your API was your product, then you would have an and you could call it an end to end test because that's just your product is the API. Mm -hmm. But because your product has front end and an API, it's really an integration test because you're only testing the one component. So testing a a, a path through the API, that would be an integration test. End-to-end um, -end tests test your product all the way through. It really tests your high-value paths. So coming into the front-end application, um, calling the API, getting the response, is it doing the correct thing on the on the front-end? Um, <clears throat> and then second to the, to the front-end, there's, there's also acceptance testing. Um, so acceptance testing really um, goes hand-in-hand -hand with regression testing. So um, if you think about what a QA engineer's work kind of work is, they really click mm. things and, you mm. know, is, am, am, is it giving me the correct thing when I click this button? Yes. Yeah, that, that's the engineer's job. Um, so acceptance testing, regression testing really goes hand in hand with what QA engineers do. Mm -hmm. So you really want to automate that. So you want to, you want to have the browser click this button. Is it doing the correct thing? Mm -hmm. If it's doing the correct thing, okay, move on to the next thing. Yeah, I think that's the most uh, easy to understand testing because you actually have people yeah. doing it. And, and uh, I know that, yeah, we've been working on getting automated tests in that field. Um, we've spoken, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about Cypress and what kind of tools are out there for people to do these tests? Um, which ones are you leaning towards? Anything that's new in the market that we should be aware of? Um, so we are really getting big into Cypress. Um, Really, because so Cypress is not just um, something used for, for test suites. Uh, it's you know it's it's like Selenium. It's got a headless browser to be able to do the things that Selenium does, um, but it uses a few other components. So we use um, Cucumber and mm -hmm. Cypress together, just so that um, we can allow uh, QA engineers and even product owners to go write. Gherkin syntax. So Gherkin syntax, it's, it's plain English. Yeah. So you write your English features, it gets translated into um, Cypress um, step definitions, and then that gets executed in the, the headless browser. Um, but Cypress can be used for unit tests and end-to-end -end tests because it does everything. Okay. Well, that's very much on the front-end side. On the, on the back-end side, we use unit testing frameworks such as PHP unit to to test, do our testing there. Um, but every language has a unit testing framework to mm. use. So you go you go into a team or a new company or something and they're not doing any of these. What do you tell them? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a bit controversial. Um, on the one hand, um, I've been a plenty of companies that say, oh, you need to be experienced with TDD. And then they don't do in TDD. So um, let's get that out of the way. So yeah. TDD is not going writing tests after the fact. 
that's not TDD. So TDD is test-driven development. You write your test, then you write first, your code. Right? Yeah, you do that first. Yeah. Um, Does it stand for again? So, uh, test-driven development. Test -driven yeah. Development. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. That's the one thing it irks me a little bit when people say, oh, you need to have experience with TDD, but then don't do TDD. Um, yeah, okay. But, but it, it's it's fine to, to write tests after the fact. Um, like there's nothing wrong with it. It's just another paradigm of, of development. Um, mm. If you want to go TDD, then go TDD. If you want to do BDD, which is behavior-driven design, um, I mean, which is it very comes much, very much comes into the same space as your acceptance testing because you write your acceptance test and you write your code based on your acceptance test. Okay. Uh, oh, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fine to do those things. Um, mm. But don't call yourself a TDD company if you're not doing TDD. Um, okay. So what if they're not even saying TDD? What if they're not doing TDD? Um, personally, I wouldn't work for a company that doesn't test. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> with, with my experience in, in all the companies that I've worked for, um, things go pear-shaped when you don't have tests yeah. um, more often than not. And mm. it really is, you can have tests, you, you can have your code working perfectly well, perfectly, mm. like you don't see the things going wrong. Yes. But when they do go wrong, then you then you you throw your hands up in there and you're like, well, where's it going wrong? Mm. Um, it's, no, I'm, it's, I'm asking because it always seems like an afterthought. It's always like, hey, build all the stuff, and then people only start thinking about the quality of their code and what tests they should be writing or doing according to what they want to build. And uh, I yeah. see that trend. It's always, like I said, an afterthought. Where you know, with TDD, like you said, it's kind of should be in the beginning of the thought process. Yeah. So for me, I am, I'm happy doing either TDD or, you know, writing tests after the fact, as long as you are writing tests with a feature. Mm. Um, so especially in the team that I'm part of, we have a rule that if you are, if you are writing code, you have to have tests with that code when it goes into a merge request, else it doesn't mm. get merged in. 100%. Um, yeah, that should be standard. <laughs> so, so we don't really take a TDD approach to it. Mm -hmm. um, write the code and then we'll write the tests um, for our pass. Yes, it's not quite TDD, but you know, we are testing. It gives a little bit of a, it's not TDD. I like to call it refactor insurance. Okay, um, I like it. Um, purely because, you know, when you go back and you have to refactor or, you know, change code, you know, it's, it's going to, if your test failed, then you know you screwed up. Mm, definitely. So just yeah, it just gives you a little bit of a um, backup when you need it the most. Mm -hmm. Cool. So any last takeaways kind of from all the discussions we've had today? What would your biggest takeaway be? Or what is the message you want to drive home for the viewers? Code. There's still code. Uh, <laughs> no, so, so I think the biggest, the biggest takeaway is that... Um, really get involved in in seeing where the hurdles are within a team mm. you know if you just sit back and go with the flow especially as a senior if you just go with the flow and not not raise valid points um you know you know you don't need to be a disruptor to be a senior developer you just need to be a contributor not just in code but in the well-being of a team in the well-being of a product mm. that is mm. what really makes a senior developer is 
contributing to things other than code. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a big thing because we find a lot of devs kind of, you know, introverted in, in, in personality types and, you know, they don't talk out, you know, and when you get the clients, you get the stakeholders and you get your product owners that are just throwing things at you. If you're not going to talk out and protect the rest of your team, it's also a recipe for disaster. hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, to finish, Jono, any books? I like doing book recommendations. So what books have you read that has changed or elevated your career that you could recommend? What do we have there? Atomic uh, so this is Atomic Habits, um, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. Okay. A really good book for developers. Um, and then there's another one. I don't have it on me right now, but it's also recommended by this Um so I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Um, um, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it's um, a book by Mark Manson called um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up. Okay. Yes. I know uh, that one. <laughs> it, it, it really, it, 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 it changes your, your opinion about not. So as developers, we really, we're, we're insecure and we, we suffer really from anxiety um, and it really opens your eyes not to to not to get anxiety over over the small insignificant things within mm-hmm. a team, and that's really the things that affect developers a lot um, within a team, and it, it's mind blowing. Yeah. Once once you start realizing, I don't really need to stress about this. Um, I need, you know, you you always want to be on a good footing in a team but sometimes you need to be the bad guy sometimes you need to raise the the bad points and it's something that i suffered of from in the past is that you know am i going to be stepping on toes raising this point but if i don't raise this point then i'm not being true to the team and don't have the best wishes of, of the team yeah i definitely see that in senior devs they they're a little bit more comfortable to put their foot down and and say the powerful words no. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> Cool. Well, John, it's been great chatting to you and, and thank you so much for all that uh, insights. It's amazing. And I think we could probably unpack it even more, but uh, yeah, thanks again. And uh, hope to see you again, I guess. Pleasure. Cool, man. <laughs>